1: And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NFL show. I'm Nora Punciotti, joined today by my buddy Kevin Clark, Kevin.
0: How are you? Hey pal, I was supposed to come on the Nora and Mallory show. Mallory I didn't know, make but now it. it's just
1: you. So now it's just us me doing to a normal do show.
0: How the turntable's turn, I get to ask you how you're doing. I- I'm I'm choking. I have nothing to say. I've never been asked this question in my life. It's fine. It's just an incredibly difficult moment. Uh speaking of incredibly difficult moments, the New
1: York Giants fire Joe Judge. Yeah. Uh yeah. Was that difficult? Wasn't great. Well, it's probably there's some difficult moments associated with the firing, I would imagine. We saw a few on you know, our, our I, talents. I, I, well, At a few quarterback right sneaks come to mind.
0: What wasn't hard was Joe Judge sending the text message to his assistants because he had his secretary do that. And Well it was it was
1: you could argue that apparently it was very difficult because his secretary sent the message instead of he himself communicating it. But I agree with you that Maybe that is a little bit of leeway that we should not provide. Um, Anyway, for more on that situation, you can check out New York, New York's latest pod. Uh, Danny Heifetz was on that episode. They've got a lot on Judge being fired, where the Giants go from here. Obviously, they're looking for both a coach and a general manager. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of hope that that place could totally hit the reset button. That said, it's all up to ownership. And
0: what a track record. That's all I'm going
1: to say on that. that
0: What a track record recently from ownership that they just keep botching hire after hire. From Giants ownership or just like all ownership? Well, I mean, all ownership, but Giants ownership in particular, they've botched three straight hires and given them two years each. Great stuff.
1: I would rather, if you botch a hire though, this is what I will say. It is obviously makes sense that he got fired because it was just a train wreck there for the last however many weeks of the season. It still did not feel like a completely done deal that he would get fired just because a lot of owners don't like to admit mistakes, right? So having somebody get fired after two years, I am team do not hold out for things to change in the third year when they're that bad. Like they're not- They almost never do.
0: They almost never do. I mean, I was talking to someone a couple weeks ago about this. There has to be a proof of concept by the end of year two has to be. You have to see something. And Judge not only... We saw only, something. Well, his team got worse as the season went along. He made excuses at every turn. Um, he's the textbook Lied at press example. conferences. Ran a lot of made quarterback up, sneaks. Made-up stories, just straight-up made-up stories. And he's a textbook example of somebody you should fire. That's why I was baffled when they said, oh, we'll let the GM make the determination. You have to show something, anything, by the end of year two. And he just he showed the opposite of that.
1: Again, you can check out New York, New York. I'm sure that'll be great. We today are going to talk about how each team in the playoffs can win the Super Bowl. Very exciting, Kevin.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. This is sort of the the cousin of the show we do every year about which teams can win the Super Bowl. And the number is less than 14. I'll say that. I'll leave it at that. We'll get into the details in a bit here. But there's some of these teams really got to stretch here.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the cousin of that concept, but it's not that concept because you got to find a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Um, to make the we case? We have split up the teams. We're going to go game by game, make the case, talk a little bit about some of the weaknesses for each team, too. Why they might yeah. not win the Super Bowl because only one of the, these teams, Newsflash, is actually going to do it. Um, we will go through the wildcard card. Teams uh in line with when their matchups are scheduled first. And then we'll talk about the number one seats at the end. Obviously, some of these teams, it's a little bit more self-evident than others. Um, but why don't we kick things off? Uh I'm gonna tell you, Kevin, how the Las Vegas Raiders, who I almost just called the Oakland Raiders, still doing that, can win the Super Bowl. And I think the answer is that Derek Carr. First of all, the tweet lives, but Derek Carr has to find a way to air it out without throwing picks and -hmm. their defense has to, particularly Max Crosby, has to just go off. So uh, this offense has been significantly less explosive than it was before they had to release Henry Ruggs. Carr's average depth of target was 9.2 from weeks one through seven. And then coinciding with that release, it's fallen to 7.8 yards since. Now, I don't think they're going to get all of that back suddenly in the playoffs. They obviously don't have the same personnel. They are getting um, Darren Waller, who is out from weeks 12 to 18. So hopefully that helps a little bit. And, and I think if they could make a concerted effort to have a slightly more explosive offense without. And here's the tricky part letting Carr start making more and more mistakes because he's actually had a career high 14 interceptions this season.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think this offense could find a way to keep up with teams like the chiefs that they have just not been able to do so far this season. Obviously this, this one is a little bit of a stretch, but if they can do that and then they can get Crosby, who's been their best defender this season to just absolutely go off because he is going to get, you know, he's going to get a matchup this week with Isaiah Prince, which is good yes. luck, is all I'm saying. If okay. he can do oh, sorry, sorry. if he can do that on a regular basis, I think that gives them sort of a game-wrecking element. And they can couple that with the fact that they've been a very, very, very good tackling team. They've actually been very fundamentally sound. They're ninth in yards after contact per carry and first in yards after catch allowed per reception this season. Put those two things together, and I'm saying the Raiders can make a run for it, starting with the Bengals this weekend.
0: Incorrect. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> Max, Max Crosby is an animal. And him and Ngakwe, I, they were one of the Bengals coaches said that they might be the two best pass rush duo in the NFL. That's not true, um, but they're at least in the extended conversation. Um, so Crosby didn't have a sack when these two teams played earlier this season. Riley Reef was the right tackle at that point. If you watch some of those spin moves, uh, Crosby had Reef in hell. Um, I believe I saw a stat earlier this week that, that um, Crosby had the best pass rush win rate of any team, of any player this year against the Bengals. Um, and the fact that they, they ran at him, so they're able to neutralize a little bit, but Ngakwe got after it, um, it was bad. Burrow was hurried on 31% of his throws against, uh, I, almost, I almost said Oakland again. You, you've incepted Oakland into my brain. Um I played the against seed. the Raiders. I'm sorry earlier this season. So the offensive line has to hold up. That's the debate we've been having for eight months about the Raiders. That's the debate we've been having for eight months about the Bengals. Um so we'll we'll put that aside here. Um Max Crosby's really good. This comes down with the Bengals to Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. So Jamar Chase has unleashed this home run ability to the point that as long as the defense plays well and they've got enough talent to play well, I mean Trey Hendrickson, real good. DJ Reader, sturdy. I mean, you just you just look at that. The um, you know, the secondary is pretty good. Um, as long as the defense plays okay, they've got this home run ability that will put them in any game. His Jamar Chase's six catches of 50 yards is uh, the only I think only three players have done that in the last 21 years. I think that was a stat. Okay, um, that is special. And I know the whole meme about Jamar Chase, you know, go down there he's somewhere there, but that's real. I mean, that was one of the things I've said this before, but Chase told me that the, the best play he had at LSU with, with Burrow was Burrow saying, I don't know, just run down there and, and jump up for it. Like, that's real. And there's not, I would, I would say, I mean, obviously they're not doing well with Devonta Adams, but it's the same kind of thing we're going to get to with the Packers, where it's like, if you have those two guys on the field, they can play a two man game that changes the entire calculus of the game. So this is on Burrow. And you know, Dominic Foxworth, who was on Swell News Day today, he made the point on Twitter the other day that the Joe Burrow is is who Brown's fans thought Baker was. Culture builder, culture changer, badass. I understand he has 14 picks this year, but if they keep him upright, he's capable of literally anything. Um you know, the the 20-yard downfield throws, um, I think he's got 15 completions is to chase alone. Um, this is this is special, special stuff. And I think that we're not paying attention enough to the fact that I mean you think about this is crazy to say but he's better than this guy but you think about like the the Joe Flacco Ravens team right that was a home run team (laughs) that just made a handful of plays and obviously it's a completely different team I'm not comparing it I'm just saying that when you have the deep ball working anything can happen in the playoffs they're going to win this game but I'm talking about when they play the Chiefs I'm talking about when they play a top top AFC team it's only going to take a little bit for those home run balls to connect. Okay, strikeouts, three true outcomes, right? Strikeouts, walks, home runs. Like there's going to be some strikeouts here, but there's going to be a lot of home runs if they have enough of those, they can win the Super Bowl.
1: I think that's right. It's essentially like, does Burrow continue to perform at the level that he has performed over the last month under pressure, right? Because their offensive line is their weakness. They give up too much pressure. The difference is that over the last month, Burrow hasn't minded the pressure. It's not like there's been less pressure. He's just performed better under that. If he keeps that up, I mean, I I really think that we've already seen this team beat the Chiefs. They become genuinely a team that you think about being in the Super Bowl. Nevertheless, I
0: had to make my case for the Raiders I'm doing it. I I agree. I want to say this. College fans know this. Joe Burrow was unflappable. And it was funny because... Tomlin said said that about Roethlisberger, and obviously Roethlisberger's at the end of the line, but he said that Roethlisberger, everybody else gets funny in the fourth quarter, and Roethlisberger stays the same. And we've talked about that, it's Bill Walsh thing, right? That's, there are not many people I want in a big spot right now in the entire NFL, any position, than Joe Burrow. He is unflappable. He just got the exact right personality for a franchise player, and that's why even earlier this year when it looked like it was Herbert Mania, that's why people who spent time with Burrow were like, wait, 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 Burrow is still the guy. And that debate's just going to keep going for a number of years. But there's a reason there was so much conviction on the side of the people who spent time with Burrow.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's not like the results weren't real, right? Like the yeah. first three quarters of the season, he played worse under pressure. So sure. I don't think that the chance that there's some some regression there is like completely absent from the discussion. I, I, but I get what you're saying. We'll talk about this. I'm just later, trying to spread.
0: I'm just trying to spread pro borough propaganda and so I can really Yeah, yeah,
1: we know. We know. Getting my shots alright I'm I'm gonna move us on before you say anything else too outlandish. Uh Kevin, how can yes. the New England Patriots win the Super Bowl?
0: So, first of all, by the way, Belichick will not say whether or not Jalen Mills is out for Saturday. He was put on the COVID reserve list. That's a big one. Um I think Mills is one of the top in the NFL as far as snaps per target, um, at a defensive back. So that's something to watch. Mac Jones has gotten Real bad. um, Over the past couple of weeks, he has held on to the ball longer. Um, He is, I think, he's 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 at a high since week eleven. He is holding on to the ball for over three seconds at an alarming rate. Um, He is going to be pressured a lot. Um, I think he's the most blitzed quarterback in the NFL over thirty percent. And the Bills are going to play man against him. And the Bills are going to get after him. And it's going to be fascinating to see how that develops. On the defensive end, Matthew Judon has not done a lot in the last couple of weeks. Um, He started off, Henry McKenna had a good piece about this the other day. Um, He's had 12.5 sacks in 14 games, uh, has none in the last four. Um, Pressures, he had 59 in the first 13 games, four in the last four games. Um, they they have stars. He hasn't to touched like a
1: quarterback that. in a month. He, do, he doesn't have a sack. He doesn't have quarterback pressure. He doesn't have a quarterback hit. Like,
0: right. Um, he had COVID. He played sparingly against the Bills. We'll, we'll qualify that. Um, but it, he's just not. He's not what he was at the beginning of the year. So, Mac Jones, for all of the great things he's done, um, saw a staff the other day that that they're pushing the ball downfield in New England over the course of the season, and the the catch rate is like top five in the league, and it was bottom five last year. So Mac Jones has done some amazing things. At one point, he looked like the best rookie in football. But right now, he doesn't. So this is going to come down to Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick devised the perfect game plan for Mac Jones this year, which is, I that soft phrase, you know, pretend that modern football never happened. Just run the ball. Just um, let him play very conservatively. Let him win the game, but pick your spots. Um, that was perfect. There's one elite thing in this game for the Patriots and it's Bill Belichick. And so this is going to be game plan and I don't think by the way that's good enough to win 3 games or f- certainly 4 games. I don't think it's good enough. But I do think you can steal a game because you have one great game plan and you have the talent to do it. I'm not saying this is, you know, this is not Kent State here, okay? This isn't Toledo. They're a good team, but they don't have the talent in the AFC to stack up. They've got one thing and it's Bill Belichick. This is a we need the best game plans of the decade from Bill Belichick. And I don't necessarily know if he can do that consistently for January.
1: Yeah, it's tough unless there's a real reversion to how Mac was playing earlier in the season. It's funny, I was talking with um, one of Bill's most famous game plans is um, from the Super Bowl in 1990, Giants against Bills, which was when he comes into the meeting room and says, you know, we're going to let Thurman Thomas get 100 yards. Which and, is really
0: funny. If you've read about that, it's really funny because it's such a different time that the Giants' defense was like, "No way, we pride ourselves on stopping the run." And it's like, when was the last time anybody said that?
1: No, it's <laughs> I mean, it's, they it's say, hysterical they say it in because
0: now, but they don't. The like, coaches don't care. But,
1: but yeah, it's, it is in a way he described modern defense, right? right? Exactly. And at first exactly. he That's says it, yeah. Well, but at first he says it, and the whole play, like the whole room goes up in arms, right? And they're like, "We're not going to let anybody do anything. We're a great run defense. We pride ourselves on that." Like. What are you talking about? But then, at least how the story goes is that he starts showing film and he's basically like, if we, if they are comfortable enough running the ball, they will keep doing it. And if they keep doing it, then they are not doing what they are best at. And we will be in a better position to win and we can just hit their receivers over and over and blah, 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 blah. Uh, The thing I think that gets left out a little bit is by the end of the meeting, they're all like, oh, we get it which I think is sort of fascinating because it's like somehow we still have these ongoing debates about, you know, running efficiency and and run defense. That group of players, like we shouldn't discount, were able to sort of get it within like, I don't know, the 20 minutes that they were sitting there looking at cutups. But, you know, that's an example. The Patriots changing their defense completely for the Super Bowl against the Rams. He does have this ability to kind of craft a bespoke game plan for a given situation and it's fascinating because this will be the third time that they'll have, have played the bills this season. Um, the other thing uh, I was having a phone conversation with somebody like 15 minutes ago um, who's played for him. who was saying there's prepping was for it, bad was weather. It to, and there's, was it Tom Brady? You'll have to find out ringer.com. <laughs> great website. Uh, there's prepping for weather and there's prepping for weather, right? There's prepping for weather saying, Please remember to wear gloves. Please remember to do the things that make you more comfortable when it's frigid out. Mm -hmm. Then there's prepping for weather where it's like no one can wear nylon because it's slippery. The quarterback is not going to be able to throw in breaking routes going in this direction because the wind is going to be X, Y, Z. And so I do think like sometimes the weather stuff gets a little bit silly and I think it's going to be overblown for this game just because the weather was such a factor in their first matchup. It's going to be cold. Both of, these, both of these teams are used to that. But I, I will say, understand that when we talk about planning for the weather, I know for a fact what's going on in that building is like, how many degrees is the wind going to be blowing at in this direction? And how is it going to impact like what routes are available to which receivers going which direction on the side of the football? It's not just like, please bundle up guys. Um, uh, I agree with you that that is, that that's the path. Uh, the bills path I think is simpler because they are a more talented team with a more talented quarterback. The Bills will win the Super Bowl if Josh Allen essentially goes into kind of God mode, but it's not... Beast
0: mode. Beast mode, Josh Allen? So,
1: like, like JV beast mode. It's not so, like, unfathomable, right? I'm So if he gets... I think if Josh Allen gets 250-plus passing yards and 10-plus carries per game, the Bills can win the Super Bowl. Because they have remade themselves over the last half of the season where... Josh Allen is essentially their running game. His rushing grade per PFF is second only to Taysom Hills. And they have essentially given up on their running backs. And like, I don't think that you can get over that. But when they use Allen to stress the edges of a defense and to make it a little bit more dynamic where a defense can't can't just say like, okay, they're going to go pass, 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 like they did in the first half when they played the Bucs, got down 24 to three and then after halftime started running a little bit more running Allen quite a bit and came back to make it a game. They've never lost when Allen has over 50 rushing yards and I think other than in that game and again they only switched it on after halftime. I think if they stick to that that is their best path here because I don't think that they're going to be able to keep pace with teams like the Chiefs unless they are truly two-dimensional because they
0: And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like?
0: this is a Josh Allen playoffs. And 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 I completely agree. I know it sounds simplistic, but this is if Josh Allen plays as well as Josh Allen has played, they can literally make the Super Bowl. If not, they could lose this weekend. Like there's not um there's not much more to it. And obviously Leslie Frazier isn't a fantastic defensive coordinator. There's a the reason he's getting head coaching interviews and head coach interest. Um, but we know what that is. They have great safeties, all that stuff. Um they'll do their job. This is down to to Josh Allen. So anyway, what's next?
1: Eagles at Bucks. All right. You want me to tell you how the Eagles can win the Super Bowl? I I do. I had to think long and hard about this. I also we have a text from Ben, um, from our buddy Ben Solak, who we needed to consult on how the Eagles can win the Super Bowl. Uh, He gave a full throated go birds. Um, Here's what it is. They have to possess the ball for at least 40 minutes per game. They have to run into the best possible string of bad run defense matchups, which is not the weakest possible string of opponents. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: if they could navigate a path that is Tampa, Dallas, Green Bay and Kansas City. At the very least, they are playing in one facet of the game, strength on weakness. I genuinely think that they can exploit that against Tampa Bay. Um, I don't know what's going to, if they're missing Levante David and if Devin white continues to be a little bit of a liability against run, I genuinely think that they can give um, the bucks a little bit of trouble. I think it gets farther fetched from there. Um, But if all of that comes together and this is important, Jake Elliott does not miss. Who knows? Maybe. Good note. Maybe a miracle run. Uh, Ben said that Jake Elliott needs to consistently hit from 60 plus. I didn't want to go that far.
0: We're turning Jake Elliott into Justin Tucker?
1: Yes. All right. Um, Um, Ben actually also said that uh, that they needed to immediately hire. um, They needed to teleport Vic Fangio in to coordinate the defense and hmm. Jake Elliott needed to turn into Justin Tucker.
0: So I'm in agreement with you that there are matchups for them. If they, if they could engineer, that'd be good. I mean, like, I'm not saying they could beat the Packers. I'm just saying you could run on the Packers, and it would be nice if you're the top-rushing team in the NFL to play a team that can't stop the run. Having said that, here's I'm going to make the the Bucks case. here. So first of all, big news in that Levante David, Leonard Fournette, and Giovanni Bernard have been designated to return from IR. That's important, especially Levante David. One of these guys, where yeah. you don't realize how important he is until you watch them, watch them without him, and you kind of get it. Okay. So the receiving we don't, depth I, it's,
1: again, like we should, we don't know how healthy, how like ready to go. Right. Those guys we don't, will be, we don't but know the time still, table. they're like, allowed right practice. direction
0: Their their windows open. Okay. Um, I saw this a couple of days ago. A lot of people talking about it, and it's probably right, which is that the receiving depth is such on the Bucks after the Godwin injury. And the Antonio Brown. By the way, is the Godwin injury just the only season-ending injury where that, that the guy didn't randomly return in January? I no longer believe <laughs> any season-ending injuries. Achilles, ACL. It's like, oh, this guy. This guy's done for the year. And then it's like, okay, he's he's back. He's designated to return. He's a
1: fast healer.
0: There are no more season-ending injuries. Um, I guess Godwin got hurt too late in the season. Okay, so having said that, so this is going to become a tight end game for Brady. And it's going to be Gronk. And it's gonna be OJ Howard yeah. gonna be in the mix. Okay. Um, Cameron Bray, that's the depth that he's gonna be worried about. Um, saw a stat, I think Doug Farrow had it, um, that that he's had, you know, forty-two of his seventy-one passes um were with two or three tight ends this year. That might increase. You know, one of the things, Nora, that you saw with the Patriots so often was okay, it's it shut down on the outside. We're going middle of, middle of the field, and normally right. that was personnel driven, and normally that was season by season. And hey, we're gonna go. I mean, there's a reason Belichick went to two tight ends. He tried to do it this year again with Johnny e. Smith and, and Hunter Henry. There's a reason that that he when they zig, he zags, all that stuff. Um, but this is Brady. He's gonna have to do that in the middle of the season. He's going to have to adapt around that. And if he does that successfully, like they have, still have a fast defense. They still have <laughs> they still have Bruce Arians, who's a really good coach. They still have Tom freaking Brady. Who is as efficient as anybody in the league passing the ball right now? So there's a path here. It's just going to take a massive amount of adjustments over the next couple of weeks.
1: Who do you think has the highest PFF passing grade? Well, actually, there's no way that I can ask this without giving it up. Tom Brady has the highest PFF passing grade in the NFL since Chris Godwin got hurt.
0: Hard mode. This is ridiculous.
1: This man is ridiculous. Um, I think you're really onto something about the tight ends thing, particularly uh, the Eagles have struggled covering tight ends. They've given up 107 receptions and 14 touchdowns to tight ends during the regular season, which is most in the league. Um, and then we've also seen, you know, particularly Brady and Gronk, like those two doing it in the playoffs, I think would shock exactly nobody. Um, and they've basically put Tyler Johnson and, and Chris Godwin spot in the slot. And then Cyril Grayson and Brashad Perriman kind of splitting Antonio Brown's old snaps. Um, opposite Evans on the outside again so far so good in terms of Brady keeping it at the same level throwing to those guys I do think that you know you would rather have a higher talent level like that that is another thing that should surprise no one but uh, if the argument that their receiver depth is what should hurt them which I think is true It is not backed up by any meaningful drop in efficiency, productivity, passing grade in Brady since those injuries happened,
0: which I just think is like a little absurd. The most important thing I think we can we can all do is just have Brady Brady's last act is to make O.J. Howard a legitimate NFL tight end. (laughs)
1: He's like game planning with Bruce Harris. He's like, oh, come on, like written that guy off. He's like, no, no, I'm going to do it. It's going to be fine.
0: When I was doing research earlier today, when I was doing the tight ends point, I just saw, like, the most recent headline is from a fantasy site that just said, O.J. Howard, colon, minimal involvement again. Sounds like a challenge for Brady. All right, what's next?
1: <laughs> okay, this is this is the game this weekend that I'm most excited for. 49ers at Cowboys. Um, you want me to give you the Niners first? Then you can sure. give me the Cowboys? So, The 49ers have to win. They have to win early downs on both sides of the ball, essentially. And on offense, I think it's particularly important because as a general rule of thumb, the longer the drop back, the worse Jimmy Garoppolo performs. And there's, I think, no better sort of example of this than the game that they're going to play this weekend against the Cowboys where they'll be facing this super aggressive pass rush. And I think this is one of the most fascinating sort of like within a game matchups that we're going to see is how Kyle Shanahan tries to slow down that pass rush because out of their, you know, they have their outside zone based run game, but they do so many different things to sort of window dress the plays. They use so much motion. And whether or not that can successfully basically like Put Micah Parsons in a blender, right? Like, get those guys moving in the wrong direction. Make them hesitate a little bit so that they can be productive on first and second down, which would deny the Cowboys the ability to do stuff like, okay, it's third and long. We're going to put Parsons out on the edge in that edge rusher position and let him just pin his ears back and go. If they can't do that, then... I think the 49ers offense has a decent chance to just sort of like plug down the field, keep the chains moving. But they really, really need that because if they don't get it, then all of a sudden it's just, hey, Jimmy, take a seven-step drop and, and win me a game here. And that is not the situation that you want to be in. Um, I think that's sort of the formula for them over the course of the playoffs, but we're gonna get a really, really, really good example of it this weekend. Defensively, it's it's kind of similar, just in the sense that they're front is the strength of their defense so if they stay ahead on first and second um the cowboys will be interesting because they don't get a lot of big plays generally they don't have even though they have the personnel theoretically their offense does not really get a lot of explosives so if they can keep them in third and long i think you put more of the game on the front less of it on the secondary which is good and you probably don't have to worry quite as much this weekend as you would with some other opponents about them being able to get just like twenty five yard chunk plays and, and get themselves back in it in forty five seconds. Um what do you think about the Cowboys, Kevin?
0: Okay. So I wanna piggyback off the Niners thing because I I, I really like this team and it was funny because I was a I I like this team. P- I love this game. I'm yeah. I did – the Peter King Peter King had some folks vote on awards um, earlier this week, and I was lucky enough to be asked. And I was texting with a couple people and just kind of trying to feel them out. And I was just joking around with Solak, and I I chose Kellen Moore for assistant of the year. And Solak really pushed me on D'Amico Ryans, who's a defensive coordinator, first-year defensive coordinator, who's got that D-line playing nasty right now. And the improvements they've made as the season goes on have been remarkable. I like this – Debo Samuel, I'm obsessed with. I mean, that that was one of the things in in watching Samuel. First of all, I think he leads the NFL in in depth of target or uh, yards per catch. Like he, this is not like a he can do anything. He's a wide receiver playing running back who can also be just a pure wide receiver who catches deep balls. Like he's amazing. Let's put that aside. So, what's up with the Cowboys? I I picked the, the Packers win the Super Bowl, but Ever since I did that, I've been worried that the Cowboys are winning win the Super Bowl. And I've gone back and forth because it's it's legitimate. Um, they have a top 10 offense and top 10 defense for the first time literally decades since the 90s. Um, there's no mystery on why they're good. They have a ton of talent in a lot of different spots. Micah Parsons is a legitimate unit changer. Dan Quinn has been, it's been not only addition by subtraction, but huge, huge addition just as a defensive mastermind. Um, Stefan Diggs, excuse me, St- Trayvon Diggs is um, creating turnovers at over season long at an incredibly impressive rate, despite his faults. It's, it's a net positive for him. And by the way, get, having a nasty pass rush and having a cornerback can take the ball away. Pretty good, pretty good recipe in January. Yeah. So I looked at all this stuff and I try to talk myself into these things. It comes down to the head coach. So how did the Cowboys win the Super Bowl? Mike McCarthy, game management not screwing it up, keeping all your timeouts. That's how you win. When when you're going to play Green Bay and it's going to be really hard, it's going to be three minutes left in the fourth quarter, that's a matchup game situation, situational football. You covered the Patriots. Yep. You know situational football better than anybody. Mike McCarthy is not Bill Belichick. He's not Matt LaFleur. Okay? And so this is going to come down to how well does Mike McCarthy operate when the game's on the line? The answer is usually... Not that great. this isn't college. you can't just have a bunch of talent and beat everybody. You've got to play situational football. if they win the Super Bowl it's because Mike McCarthy pressed all the right buttons. That's why I'm leveled picking up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm picking a different yeah. team. Yeah, that's a good one. really good one. All right, Steelers at Chiefs. the Kansas City Chiefs can win the Super Bowl if they win the turnover battle. Get better tackling on defense and keep Hill and Kelsey basically healthy. So first thing, their turnover situation has completely changed since the first half of the year. Weeks one through eight and Mahomes threw 19 touchdowns to a league worst 10 picks. A lot of them were bad luck interceptions. They were tipped at the line or or basically dropped passes, whatever. Last nine games completely flipped. 18 touchdowns, three interceptions. They've had the most efficient offense by EPA per play since week 10. Pretty good, right? Keep that up. You're in good shape. Defensively, they've given up 7.6 yards per play and a total of 839 yards to the Bengals and Broncos in their last two games. Um, You can probably deal with not exactly that, but something a little bit subpar against the Steelers. But when you're dealing with the Bills and the Bengals, that is not going to cut it. Ultimately, they have shown over the course of the season that they've figured out how to put their guys in the right spots. Um, I don't think there are any big sort of like personnel, uh, or schematic changes they need to tackle better. They just have not been, it's an execution issue above anything else. And, and, you know, maybe they get back to it during the playoffs, but if it's similar to, um, the last couple of weeks, I think some of the other more high powered offenses that they could see further down the line would be able to exploit that. Uh, and then the health has to be okay. Um, obviously this offense without Hill and or Kelsey is, is really different. Um, Kelsey got hit hard, uh, at the end of their last game and had to like see trainers and stuff, but seems okay. Um, and then Tyreek Hill is dealing with a a heel injury. So obviously those are things to monitor clearly. Like no one has season ending injuries anymore, so it's probably fine. But I do think that that's one of the things that could all of a sudden sort of, change the complexion of the entire playoffs. Um obviously they're the Chiefs, so seeing them in the Super Bowl would not exactly be surprising. Speaking of surprising, Kevin, how can the Steelers win the Super Bowl?
0: I want to talk about the Chiefs first. I want to talk about an actual <laughs> an actual it's realistic cheating. scenario. So a right, couple of things. Number one, I was digging into some Mahomes stats earlier today. And I saw that first of all, the only the, the biggest drop off for him has been and throws over 2.5 seconds when he holds onto the ball. His rating went from, I think, 92 to mid-70s this year. Um, didn't d- drop in a quick game. Um, he is still really efficient there. So it's changed a little bit as far as just what happens when he's holding onto the ball. Something actually he and I talked about in August about how he felt like he needs to play more in rhythm and try to stop making the super play on every play. Um, you can kind of see that in the numbers. So he, he probably should do that less. Having said that, um, ESPN had a really good piece this week about how bad the Chiefs are when they get off script. So they script their first 15 plays, you know, well, how, however uh, much that is in the first quarter. And they are, I believe, tops of the league in first quarter points and then touchdowns on opening drives. And then things go south from there. So they need to pick it up after they the script is over. And they need to um, get in in more of a rhythm throughout the game. That's just Mahomes, that's Reed, that's everybody. So I think that there's a pretty easy way for them to win the Super Bowl. Um, Daniel Sorensen, in a, in a in a defense that has gotten much better, defense is still a weak link kind of yeah. system. And Daniel Sorensen is still playing a lot of snaps. That concerns me on like January 30th when when the Super Bowl is on the line. Okay, now, let me talk about the Steelers for a second. Ian Harditz did this really cool thing where he basically ranked every, not just position group, but every trait a team would be good at, right? Like pass rush, uh, you know, explosive plays, whatever. And he averaged where those teams were. And the Chiefs were actually 15th, which is second lowest of any playoff team. And the Steelers were 23rd, which is, by the way, lowest of any playoff team, obviously. And the point of that team. was to
1: give a picture of like which teams were the most complete.
0: Yeah, that's correct. And the Steelers were not complete. Spoiler alert the Steelers are not complete. Um, fifth worst rating, Roethlisberger of any quarterback when he holds onto the ball for 2.5 seconds. He's no longer the old Big Ben. If you hadn't seen that with the eye test, the numbers bear that out. He can't just extend plays. Um, I actually remember speaking of this matchup, I remember Veach talking about how when he was scouting for Mahomes, he used to look at Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. And say, these guys extend plays better than anybody, maybe ever. And let's find guys like that. Well,
1: Kevin, I don't mean to cut you off, but it was funny when you were talking about Burrow, um, kind of like Roethlisberger is not this anymore, but there are these quarterbacks who, it's not that they avoid pressure really well. It's just that they deal with pressure really well. Like when someone is in their face, they are unflappable. And I actually think there's, you know, sometimes like, Ben this season will, and last season too, will do these things when he's under pressure and their offensive line is, is not like thriving. Um, Where he'll just go, what the heck is going on? Like he looks sure. like he's spasming or just like has forgotten how to play quarterback. And, you know, I think sometimes you see this in, in different facets of of a very physical game with players who get older, where the things that they used to be able to do really well when they can't do them as well anymore, it completely exacerbates it because they're like, what yeah. the heck is going on here? I used to be able to make plays with guys like hanging off my shoulders and it was totally fine. And the fact that he can't do that, I don't think that he has learned I, to compensate for it. I so think it Craig is Horlbeck,
0: a, our buddy Craig Horlbeck uh, made the comparison like he's like the grandpa that says he can still drive. Oh, God. Yeah. I got this. Don't worry about it. Or move the TV, maybe was, was I forget what it was. Um, but that was the it's it's all very similar. So my first advice. All right, tell me how tell me how yeah, the Steelers current is, day Ben Roethlisberger can exploit Dan Sorensen. A time machine. Um <laughs> yeah, Daniel Sorensen. I mean, like I, I honestly he made plays that were really fun, really interesting, made it happen, but over a consistent 60 minutes. I don't think he's even got the game to take advantage of Dennis Warrenson. So, look, look. There's a scenario in which TJ Watt goes off, Ben makes enough plays, um, the, the schemes are great on Mahomes, they keep a lid on that that offense, and they win this game. Okay, I would put it at about four percent. But if you're asking me what the path is, it's it's that. It's the superstars playing like superstars and a bunch of lucky breaks. If I have to make the case, that's it, but it's not, I'm not all that invested in
1: It's It's their defense, right? I mean, they did down the stretch, they beat three teams that were fighting for either playoff seating or spots, and they held the Titans, Browns and Ravens to 13.3 points per game. And they're going to face teams that are better than the Titans, Browns and Ravens. Although obviously the Titans are in the playoffs. Um, but if they can do something like that, I think that's sort of the only thing that exists. The thing about Dan Sorensen, when he has made plays this season, he's been okay when he gets to be in that sort of like dime linebacker role, be a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, not be exposed in coverage. Uh, I don't know what about the Steelers offense led by the only quarterback who averaged, uh, the quarterback who, the only quarterback who averaged fewer air yards per pass this season to Ben Roethlisberger was Jared Goff. I'm not sure yeah. what about that is going to force Dan Sorensen to play safety and drop back. Um so it's a tough scene. Uh anyway, Next. let's move on. Please. Cardinals at Rams. All right. Cardinals. You got the Cardinals,
0: tough draw for you, but Yeah,
1: well, so now we have to talk about like is is DeAndre Hopkins coming back? Unclear. One of the season-ending injuries that may or may not be season-ending. Um I think Uh, the formula for the Cardinals is they need to get better defense against deep balls, better protection for Kyler, JJ Watt back. And look, uh, the Hopkins thing. I don't, I don't know what's, what's going to happen there. He got hurt on December 13th. It was pronounced a four to six week injury at that point. They would probably have to make a decent run. Um, but, they are in the type of situation where they have just like folded down the line to the extent where i do think that they need some reinforcements there um they can do some things that that don't have to do with getting guys back right like kyler has taken 31 sacks this season um but when rodney hudson went out they had to shuffle the line quite a bit and they just got him back they gave up a lot of pressure in week 18 but you know if you kind of overlook that as just getting their feet wet Maybe they can get better if they have some time to get comfortable. If Kyler was better protected, I think it would go a long way. And then their defense has to defend the deep ball a little bit better. Um, in the past five games, opponents have completed 62.3% of passes of 15 or more air yards for six touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, that's not the type of defense I want to have against Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Right. So I, I worry about just the trajectory of this team. Obviously, they started seven and 0, they finished four and six. Um, I do think that Watt coming back will make a difference. Definitely monitoring the Hopkins situation. But those are the things that I think if they shored them up quickly, uh, we might see them look a little bit more like the team from earlier in the season and they would have the best chance to make a run. I don't know if I'm giving it up here. I'm not super bullish on the Cardinals, but that is what I think their path would be.
0: I was just thinking about how mad, because we're running out of time, how mad Titans fans are going to be if we don't get to them. So I'm going to make this quick. <laughs> um, if the Titans Here's just the become Matt Damon. Sorry, sorry Titans. We didn't have time for you. Um, okay, so a couple things. Number one, the other day I was, when I was doing research for this, I was looking into Matthew Stafford a lot, and I saw a headline that was, Matthew Stafford has an explanation for his interception. And oh. I was like, oh, good, like the bad interception. And uh, I was like, good, really dig in. And then the quote when I clicked on it was, I just left it short. Was, oh, good. So you're just bad. Good. Great. Good explanation. Matthew Stafford is a very good quarterback. And I'm as high on him as, as anybody this side of, of our buddy Daniel And, um, you know, I wrote about him when he was in Detroit. I think he's a hell of a football player. Um, he needs to get better. I think that the Robert Woods injury probably played a bigger role than we think. Um, talked about the jet swoop stuff. Um, Doug Farah had a really, really, really good breakdown of what's happened to Stafford. And part of this is that when he has a three-step drop, he's crushing it. When he's doing anything else, he's a mess. And defenses, according to Doug, are sitting on his first read. By the way, that's why there's so many pick sixes. Um, And this is up to McVeigh. When you know that there's one thing that Stafford is doing well, and that when he gets off script, When he holds the ball too long, when he starts to try to extend the plays, it's not working. Well, figure out a way um, to get him in the situations that, you know, you're the best offensive, one of the best offensive coaches in football uh, of the last 20 years, okay? Figure out what he does well and get him in those situations. Um, When he holds on to the ball, I think Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence and Josh Allen are the only guys who have more interceptions uh, with throws over 2.5 yards. So we know what this looks like. And Cooper Cup is going to be a huge part of this. I mean, some of his of cup stats are just unbelievable. Like, he doesn't make mistakes. It's high volume of targets, but he's still able to be really, really efficient. Um, he's amazing. And so, kind of what we're talking about with the other guys, this is going to be a two-man game. It's going to be Stafford to Cup. It's going to be Stafford understanding his mistakes, limiting those mistakes. I think they're going to beat the Cardinals, because I don't think the Cardinals are very good right now. I just think that they've, they've regressed over the course of the season. But this is down to McVeigh to understand the types of mistakes that Matthew Stafford is making right now and put him in a position to not make those mistakes. Stafford is Stafford. I mean, there's, there's kind of a scorpion and the frog thing here with Matthew Stafford. We've seen over a decade of Matthew Stafford football. We understand yeah. what it looks like. We understand that he's making mistakes he on, this. on deep passes. And we got to figure out a way here to minimize that. So this is more than Stafford. It's easy to say, okay, Stafford's not making mistakes. This is on Sean McVeigh. He's my key to them making Super Bowl. They can do it. They can easily do it.
1: Yeah, the the Rams, I, I do think there's like a, a huge coaching element for the Rams, which is kind of funny because like Sean McVay has sort of been, you know, the wonder kind. He's also been, I think more lately, like that's been second guessed a little bit. And I do think a ton is on that coaching staff in these playoffs because they have to put Stafford in the right positions to succeed. Um, I also think that, you know, they have this challenge with, with, their defense being sort of top heavy, particularly in the secondary, because it is a weekly challenge to figure out how to, to maximize Jalen Ramsey. And there have been times like the Packers got Devonte Adams away from him on more than half of his snaps when they played. There are these sort of like game within the game coaching matchups where I think it puts like, there's a lot on, on Sean McVay's brain in this one, which I think is, is really fascinating. Or even like the 49ers kind of looked at them and said, we don't think that your linebackers can tackle very well. And we're going to try to exploit that. And so much of covering up those weaknesses comes down to coaching when your roster is superstar heavy, but then lacks some depth beneath that. And it, it's funny. I, I wonder if we will end up feeling like this playoffs is kind of like a referendum on um, how we look at that staff. All right. I'm not going to model any say, longer. I just, because... just
0: want to I, I leave one stat out here. First five games of the season, there were three to- total turnover-worthy plays from Stafford. In the last three weeks, there have been nine, including two in each of them. Like, this is this has got to be cleaned up.
1: Yeah. We can't go on anymore on the Rams because we have to get to the number one seeds, the Titans and the Packers. Uh, we'll make these quick because they are the number one seeds for a reason, but I will give the Titans their due. Um, the Titans can win the Super Bowl if they have Derrick Henry back and if A.J. Brown goes for 100-plus yards in each game. Uh, I think it's been incredibly impressive that they were six and two when they lost Henry and they've been six and three the rest of the way. I do also think that that, you know, record is nice, um, but it shouldn't obscure some real drop in productivity. They've gone down by 30% in scoring without Henry, and they only played two playoff teams during that span. That said, in their best performances this season, so when they beat Kansas City, when they beat the Colts, when they beat the 49ers, A.J. Brown just went off and he had 26, he got 26 passes for 433 yards and three touchdowns in those games. Um, Kansas City would be a really fascinating matchup in terms of that for them. Because I actually think that their offense is a pretty bad matchup for the Chiefs because both Julio Jones and A.J. Brown just excel on in-breaking routes. And the Chiefs' defense is sort of built to force everything inside. Like we talked about sort of the opposite thing with them and the Bengals. But for what they want to do defensively, the Titans receivers are actually pretty happy to say, totally fine. We will work in those little spaces. Um, Mm -hmm. and then the presence of Henry helps them control the ball, keep Mahomes off the field. Uh, I do not think that they are the best team in the AFC. That should come as no surprise to listeners of this podcast, but I do think that they are well-equipped to play the best team in the AFC. So that's the Titans path.
0: Okay. So a lot of this comes down to health. I, I, I saw a stat this morning that, the uh, Titans have lost 112 skill position games due to injury. Skill position guy Ooh. games due to injury. Uh, most in the league. Giants had 110. Giants used injuries as an excuse. Guess what? The Titans had more and decided to go ahead and get the number one seed in the AFC. Probably going to write about the Titans next week. Uh, had some conversations with John Robinson and Mike Frabel earlier in the season. Haven't seen the light of day. Probably going to do something on that. Um, but this is, I think this team is built in a really smart way. And we've gone back and forth, and I think that they've, they've built a really good culture. I think we're really minimizing um, what Mike Vrabel's built, frankly. And I don't want to get into that again. Um, but what I know is that if Julio Jones is healthy, and if A.J. Brown, you know, Seth Galina talks about this, but this team is built on in-breaking routes, and they can just do that really, really well. They can win a game with that kind of thing. If Derrick Henry comes back, um, I don't want to do that argument but that's going to help, okay? You don't want, like, there's just a psychic thing. I don't want to, stop showing me charts about Derrick Henry. There's just a cosmic <laughs> thing where you don't want I'm to tackle you. Derrick Henry. I talk to guys I don't want to see any more Derrick football, Henry charts. And they say, oh man, I don't want to tackle Derrick Henry. And then someone just gets in my mentions and it's like, well, actually, stop, stop. It. I it. Having Derrick Henry out there is better than not having Derrick Henry out there. Agreed, okay. fully agreed.
1: Packers, Kevin.
0: Ooh, okay, so first thing is health, obviously. Um, if they get back Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, I mean, you're getting all pros back. You're getting all pros back for the playoffs. That's why the buy is so important. That's why weeks ago someone said to me, the buy has never been more important because there's only one of them. But also, I mean, everything home field, the whole thing has all been neutralized. The only thing that matters is having an extra week in which you just press the reset button. And you're seeing that now. So, you know, Dan Olofsky has a really good podcast, Scott Pioli. I was listening to it the other day, and he was saying that one of the things with, with the Rodgers and, and Devonte Adams connection is that there's all sorts of rules quarterbacks have that you would never make this throw in a million years. And Rodgers feels comfortable making those throws to Adams because he knows he can trust them. I got roasted, roasted, let's call it five years ago, because I was at a training camp practice. And Aaron Rodgers was throwing interceptions in practice. And I I talked to McCarthy afterwards. And McCarthy was like, well, what he's doing is he doesn't know these receivers, so he's seeing if he can trust them. And I tweeted that, and everybody was like, you're making excuses. Okay, well, it's a training camp interception. Okay, I'm not going to go ahead and make excuses for that. But there's a brilliance to the way Aaron Rodgers practices that I think people in Green Bay see all the time. Um, Also, did he throw, like,
1: four picks that year or something?
0: Yeah, he's pretty good. We have some some data on Aaron Rodgers being pretty good as far as <laughs> not throwing turnovers go. But that's what I'm talking about when you're talking about the trust he has with Adams. It's all, it's like supernatural because of those things, because of the way they practice, because of the way Adams runs his routes. It's not just Rodgers. Just, this is an Adams thing. Adams is an absolute technician. And okay, you can run on them, whatever. But This there's a reason I picked the team to win the Super Bowl. So, over the last five regular season games, being that match tournament, Devontae Adams leads the NFL with six touchdowns. Alan Lazard is five. He's number two. And that's what you need to know right now, is that they have the best connection in the NFC between quarterback and receiver, and then they've got a number two who's performing exactly like a number two should. And one of the things about Rodgers at this point in his career is that he can make any throw, high-risk throw, and he doesn't rely on it. It's something that Shokapati has talked about where he only does those throws when he has to, right? Like, everything we keep joking about with, with Zach Wilson, where he's just going out and trying to make off-scheduled throws or whatever. Um, I heard Scott always say the other day, actually, that, that the workout that, that Zach Wilson did was the worst thing that ever happened to him because of just the expectation that he would play with right? like Rodgers and doing all this weird stuff. Rodgers only does that when he absolutely has to. And that's what's so interesting to me. So he's playing in rhythm. He's doing exactly what he needs to do. And then when he needs that extra gear, that, by the way, like two people have, he's able to do it without making a mistake, without making a mistake. So there's just so much to me. You think about, you know, add in Smith, his practice window open today. Um, there's so much to me, the points that the Packers win in the Super Bowl, that uh, it's going to be incredible when they go out in the first round. <laughs>
1: I was going to say I liked this pod, Kevin, because it's been very hopeful. Everybody's got a shot. But now the Packers are going to lose in the first round. Um, I'm doing the first round that they're not playing in. Uh, All right. That is how each team can win the Super Bowl. Thank you to Kevin Clark. This has been the Ringer NFL show. Next up on this feed, uh, Ben, Kalen and Steven will be previewing Super Wild Card Weekend. Kevin, Steven and I will recap all of Saturday's games. Ben then will join Kevin and I on Sunday to break down the Sunday games. Jason Goff, Ryan Chazier, and James Jones will break down Monday's game on the Tuesday show. Kevin and I will be back next Wednesday with Mallory Rubin. Thank you to Stefan Anderson for production on this episode and to Arjuna Ramgopal for additional production supervision.